Winterizing is nothing to be afraid of. And you can still use your RV after you do it. We're going to talk about preparing your RV for the winter and the country music capital of the world on this episode of RV Miles. Hi, everybody, and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 20 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, you can go over to rvmiles.com slash episode 20. You can also find RV Miles on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you want to keep up with Jason and I as we travel around the great U.S. of A. with our three boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry. We are also on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On this episode, we're going to cover Nashville, Tennessee, Music City. Some cool things to do there for solo travelers, couples, and families. And one of our favorite campgrounds, really, I would say. I'd say it's my favorite campground I've been to yeah, so far. Yeah, the spot we had was pretty dramatic in regards to its layout, but we'll talk more about that later. And we're going to talk about winterizing your RV. If you're new to owning an RV or if you're still thinking about getting an RV, what winterizing entails. And even if you already own one, we're going to talk about a couple of the methods and and why one might be better than the other for your situation and other things you can do for the winter uh, to have your RV prepared to get it back out in the spring as soon as you possibly can. You know what I think winterizing an RV is? What? Getting in your RV and driving it southwest. (laughs) That's true for a lot of people as well. A lot of people don't have that option. Taking your RV to warmer climates. (laughs) But first, let's talk about just a couple news items. First of all, wildfires have really picked up again in California very quickly, and lots of evacuations are happening right now. There's quite some dramatic footage going around social media right now of just what looks like a wall of fire that people are driving into while they're on the highway. I mean, it's just unbelievable what people in California are experiencing right now. And of course, there's a lot of snowbirds camping in California right Mm -hmm. now. Of course, they get they have a home on wheels and, and can move out of the way. A lot of people are losing their sticks and bricks homes right now. Um, But, you know, it's, it's a it's a huge problem, and we're they just start- can't catch a break in California no, with the wildfires this year. They really, really can't. The other thing I wanted to talk about was there is uh, we've talked about this before. This the industry is booming big time. Of course, uh, CBS News. I think tonight, as we're recording this on Wednesday night, has a big story on full time RVers, and I'm excited to check out. But um, because the because of the demand on manufacturers who are mostly located in Elkhart County, Indiana. The RV capital of the country. Of the Maybe world, some, I'm sure. Yeah, some might say the world. There, There's a huge labor shortage. And the industry is sort of taken to the net. They've created a website trying to recruit people to move to Elkhart County. 
and take some of these jobs. They're looking for 3,500 employees. So what you're saying is that Elkhart, Indiana has joined the 21st century in regards <laughs> <used> to, the <laughs> to hiring individuals. They're going on that thing called the interwebs <laughs> in hopes of enticing well, people. I mean, I mean that's it, a huge number to go after. A, you know, it's a you little d- weird because they have sort of just relied on people showing up for the longest time you know right i know but it's a it's a good area i mean you're not far from you're not far from the canadian border you're not far from chicago and lake michigan and lots of great places in in michigan to visit you could be a colts fan (laughs) yikes sorry colts fans uh indiana dunes national lakeshore is nearby lots lots of stuff nearby there and and good good well-paying jobs Hard work, long, long hours. Yes. Um, Let's not romanticize these positions that they're looking for. Yeah. They are manual labor. And and they're not union jobs like not. the auto industry. And that's been a bit of a sticking point for a lot of people. And I think has a little bit to do with why the turnover has been as great as it has in these positions. Well, yeah. When the auto, when the auto industry is doing similar jobs and paying people three times as much. Yep. And you can see why they're having a hard time holding on to employees. But the pay is getting better because the demand for good workers is getting so much stronger. So if you're interested in one of these jobs or you know somebody who might be, you can go to ElkhartWorks.com. That's E-L-K-H-A-R-T-W-O-R-K-S, ElkhartWorks.com. And there's lots of information about all the different manufacturers that are hiring right now. And if you do end up with one of those jobs in Elkhart, you're going to want this next segment because you are definitely going to need to winterize your RV. When we come back, we're going to have the answer to last week's brain teaser and we're going to talk about winterizing. Be right back. Okay, we are back and we have Abby's answer to last week's brain teaser. We do. All right, here we go. You walk up to a mountain that has two paths. One leads to the other side of the mountain and the other will get you lost forever. Two twins know the path that leads to the other side. You can ask them only one question, except one lies and one tells the truth and you don't know which is which. So what do you ask? And we got a few answers this week. Only one of them correct. A couple of them. So close. A couple of them so, took a long way to get there. <laughs> yeah, They went around the mountain and up it. To, to, to make it to there and got the right answer. It was really impressive, actually. But if you're going to ask one question, what you ask, and Howard Tendler sent this in, you would ask one brother, if I was to ask your brother, what would your brother say? That is correct. And of course, the liar is going to lie and the truth teller is going to tell the truth and you'll you'll be able to suss it out by asking them. Process of elimination. Process of elimination. Right there. Thank you, Howard. Pretty and thank, good. Thank you to everyone, too, who wrote in and offered up suggestions. It's This is starting to get like a lot of fun because we're hearing from people and we get to interact with you guys. And that is 
something I've been really looking forward to as we've been putting this podcast together is getting more listener participation. And Howard, we're going to send you a guidebook to the Grand Tetons and Yellowstone. Yeah. And later in the podcast, we're going to come back with another riddle. And uh, hopefully next week we'll hear from someone else as well. All right. Let's talk about winterizing. Let's. It's getting cold out there in a lot of parts of the country. You know, I think for us, the reality that winter is here set in this week, which is probably why it sort of stuck in our mind we wanted to do this because frankly like here in the kansas city area where we still are it's been in the 60s yeah until yesterday (laughs) yeah it's been pretty fantastic i do not have a lot of memories of growing up in the area and experiencing 70 degrees in december but we have and we haven't really had to give a lot of thought to the winterizing but boy when winter rolls in in this area it rolls in so winterizing usually refers simply to making your water system free of water so the water doesn't freeze up and damage your pipe. That's all it means. You can camp in a winterized RV. You just can't use the water system. You should camp in a winterized RV. If you that... go to a campground that's got a that's got a restroom that's open, you can use that restroom. You can still use the toilet in a winterized RV and and use RV antifreeze to, to flush with. Or, or hey, if you got a compost toilet, then you don't even need to worry about whether or not you got to use the bathroom. That's you right. can just use the compost toilet. You can also use bottled water from the grocery store. There's lots of different things that you can do to sort of extend your camping time into the winter season. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more, I think, next week. But today we wanted to talk about how to winterize and what that entails for, for the new or for the... For those that have been having issues with it. Or just as a refresher for all of us. It's nice sometimes to just go down the checklist, make sure we're still doing what we need to do. And there are really two major options for winterizing your water system. One is to fill it with non-toxic RV antifreeze. And the other is to use pressurized air to to blow out all the water out of the system. Some people use a combination of both. They'll use the pressurized air to blow all the water out, and then they'll pour in RV antifreeze. But here's the big secret. All the RV manufacturers, and they do water test their their RVs once they've manufactured them. They, they run water through them and make sure the systems work. All of them use pressurized air to blow out all the water out of the system, and that's how they sit on the lot. It's the easiest way to do it. All you do is that there's a little attachment for an air compressor that goes onto the hose entry into your RV, and you simply pressurize the system with air. You open up all the faucets, let all the water continue to come out, and you open the low point drains on your system and empty the tanks, and and you're pretty much done with it. So, Jason, are you saying you don't need RV antifreeze? Well, some people like to do it because there are things like your water pump where it's hard to get all the water out little cracks and crevices corners in your plumbing where it's hard to entirely get your water out so if you want to be extra cautious then go ahead and do the rv antifreeze route and what that entails is like i said emptying your tanks you're going to drain your fresh water tank you're going to drain your black and gray tanks you need to flush your black and gray tanks 
clean as much as possible. And you're going to drain your water heater. Don't drain your water heater while the water is still hot. Be really careful about that. But open the pressure release valve up, drain the water heater. And then there's usually going to be a bypass on the water heater. There's, there's going to be two knobs that you can turn on and off. And what that does is allows water to bypass the water heater. And that's for putting in your RV antifreeze and so that you're not wasting all that RV antifreeze in the hot water tank that's going to be six gallons. You should only need like three gallons of RV antifreeze to do the whole thing. It's really not that big of a deal. And then, like I said, you're going to open the low point drains. There should be, on every RV, there should be two knobs that you open up that are the low point drain for your hot water and your cold water lines. And that's that's the low point of your plumbing lines and that's going to make sure that all the water that is in the system is going to drain all the way out. You want to make sure that your RV is level when you do that as well because you know if you do it on your steep driveway or something it's not going to be the low point particularly. Yeah know? that low point ceases <laughs> that to be low your point low point. <laughs> so really that's all there is to to winterizing the water system in an RV. And we're going to post a step-by-step -step guide so that you can really see it. And then there are plenty of YouTube tutorials to, to watch to see how people do this. It's really not that big of a deal at all. It's not that big of a deal at all to de-winterize your RV, flush all that RV antifreeze out. It is, you know, it is, you don't want to ingest it, but it is non-toxic, so it's not that big of a deal. And, you know, go use your camper in the middle of the winter. Yeah, that's just, I think, like, the when you hear the word winterize, that's what's going to be in the dictionary under definition for the RV. But people definitely do a whole lot more to get their RV kind of, like, closed down for the year. I always think of it a little bit as, like, closing your summer beach house were you to have one, you know? Yeah. You're leaving for the season. Let's leave it maybe almost in better condition than we found it. So let's talk about some of those other things that you can do. First of all, you're going to want to get rid of any food, right? You want to take any food out of your RV if it's going to sit all winter. Yeah, even nobody if, wants to open that fridge Even your back salt up. and pepper and stuff yeah, like that. take that it all out. Your fridge, you're going to want to defrost. And one of the best ways I've found to defrost a fridge is in freezer. Actually, freezer is where the, the frost is going to be. Is to take a roll of paper towels, stick it in the door. And that all the water that is frozen inside there is going to you know drain down and soak into that roll of paper towels and then you can toss it away you want to make sure your fridge and freezer are cracked open all winter long you don't you definitely don't want those sealed closed no. because you no matter how clean it was how defrosted and empty it was that is going to be a, a really bad smell when you open that thing back up i wish i could like give a name to the refrigerator smell <laughs> like I have very like visceral memories of moving into an apartment in my young 20s in Chicago and going into the apartment and opening it up and you can like opening the fridge and being like oh my goodness this apartment has been sitting for a few <laughs> weeks without a tenant and just having that really strong smell I Highly recommend in a small space that you do not start off your RV season with stinky refrigerator. Yeah. <laughs> it's also going to help keep mold out if it's going to, you know, it'll stay dry inside there. 
and uh, and you won't have mold and mildew issues. Yeah, because especially if you're going to want to wipe it down, which you're going to do, then leaving it open allows any of that moisture that you also created by wiping the glass or the shelves down or the sidewalls or anything, whatever cleaner you're using, it allows that to make sure it completely dries inside that space and that throughout the closed up season, there's no moisture building up in there. Along with the food, you're going to want to get rid of anything, any other things that rodents or bugs might like Mm -hmm. and clothes and blankets and sheets, those types of things. They really like to, you know, chew up, make nests out of that sort of stuff. So, you know, even if a mouse gets into your RV, if they don't have anything in there that they want or like, they're probably going to go away. So pull all that stuff out for the winter. And it's nice to take that stuff back with you anyway. Give it a good wash, you know, put it away for the season and kind of also take stock of everything you have as well. For some people, this is a really nice time to kind of look over the things they've been using, maybe reevaluate. Did we need to have three pairs of sheets in the RV this season? Or, you know, kind of, again, like I've already said, just restock and... And sort of make a list of like what you used during the season too and what you didn't use. And you can sort of decide, is this going to go back in the RV next season? Yeah, some people... Or is it not? Some people even go as far as to pull out all of their kitchen items. You know, pots, pans, plates, cups, water bottles, all of that stuff that you have bought and purchased and designated specifically for the RV... Some people go just as far as not just sheets and clothing, but taking all of that stuff out too, taking that all into the house, giving it a good clean, reevaluating, did we need all eight place settings last season? Yeah. And of course, it's going to depend on how big your RV is and how much stuff you have in it. Mm -hmm. Another thing that's really useful to do is to try to combat moisture. If you're in a moist climate, a lot of people will put out buckets of damp red and damp red it sort of acts like a dehumidifier, but it's a, it's a, uh, I don't know, it's a chemical, a, uh, it kind of looks like a powdered laundry, laundry detergent, yeah. you know, in a bucket. And it, it soaks up the excess moisture. So that's going to keep, you know, mildew and mold from forming in your RV. You know, I feel like even if you're not in a highly moist climate, that, that just makes kind of good sense in general. You know, I feel like I would want to do that even here or if we were back in Chicago, because, you know, when you're away from something for a couple of months, it's really hard to predict what the weather is going to be like inside the rig. And better safe than sorry, I say, because, you know, if over moisturize, like if the rig becomes really moist and you start having issues, that's just not a mess I would want to come back to and clean up. Another thing you want to take care of for your RV for the winter is your house batteries in your RV. This is really important. Batteries die very quickly. Their lifespan ends very quickly when they get worn out, when they, when they get um, de-energized you know, to their minimum. So you always want to keep batteries charged as much as possible. So instead of leaving your batteries in your RV all winter, it's best to bring them back home with you if you're if your RV's in a storage lot or something like that. Take your take your batteries out, bring them home with you, put them in your garage, and put what's called a trickle charger on them. A trickle charger is is a battery charger that trickles little bits of power in to keep that battery fully charged. Batteries are happiest 
when they're fully charged and they'll last a lot longer. Of course, another option is you just keep your RV plugged in all winter. If your RV is stored at your house, you can, you know, you can keep a, a cord ran to it and have it plugged in all winter. Or you can also get a solar trickle charger that you could keep at a lot somewhere that would keep your batteries topped off. Along the lines of your house batteries, think about all the batteries that are in things like your smoke detectors, your TV, TV remotes, any sort of clocks, uh, thermometers, anything that's got a battery in it. You know, batteries, when they sit for a long time, they can open up, especially with huge temperature differences, and you get that you get that gunky green and like white corrosion almost. inside. Yeah. You don't want that. That's going to ruin anything that needs a battery. So take the batteries out of everything. That way you have an idea of what batteries you need in the spring to freshen everything up and have everything working right away anyway. And especially your smoke detector and your carbon monoxide and propane detectors. You want those to have fresh batteries in the spring. I cannot advocate enough for maybe taking the battery out of the smoke detector because... You know, let's just say that battery starts to wear during the time that you have your rig in a lot. That's where you're storing it. Then it is just going to beep chirp, and beep chirp. and beep. And that actually started while for hours while we were here at my parents and we are inside and Bussy is parked in the driveway. Uh, I could hear that little chirp. From the kitchen. It was so loud. And so it's not exactly like a sound that would be contained inside your RV. And that's a sound that will go on and on and on if not tended to. Until that battery dies. Until that battery dies. I mean, there's a whole system behind it in order to, you know, it's not a pleasant sight. They want you to be aware. So if you're not going to be in the rig and you can't change the battery, go ahead and just pull it. So obviously you want to make sure everything is as clean as possible when you put your RV away. You don't, again, with rodents and bugs, you don't want food crumbs and things like that. So you want to do a pretty deep clean. And then the last thing that people do, and you can choose whether you want to or not, we've talked about this before, is put a cover on it. Now there are pluses and minuses to covers. Covers, especially cheap covers, can can leak themselves and when the cover leaks then water is trapped in your roof and can't evaporate off of your roof and then is freezing and thawing and freezing and thawing on your roof and that can cause problems so and it can also just trap moisture in, in general inside your rv and not let it escape uh, the wind can whip covers around and it can damage your paint of course on the flip side covering it is going to usually make your paint last a lot longer especially if you're in a if your rv is stored in a sunny area it's going to keep the snow from accumulating on the roof and and things like that so you know make a choice but either way if you use it if you use a cover you want to go back and check on it often if you don't use a cover and you're like in a heavy snow area or something like that you're probably going to want to go and brush the snow off every now and then and that Purchasing of a cover, I think, is one area where I would advocate for not going cheap. Yeah, no, really absolutely. Get something take, fitted well. Yeah, and take some time to really research for your particular rig. Try to read as many reviews on that as you can. But that is not an area, because of those potential moisture, should it be a thin or just kind of defective product to begin with, 
that you should really make sure that putting a little bit more money into that is an investment that will benefit you down the road for sure. No cover is definitely better than a cheap cover or a poorly installed cover. And let me tell you, it takes two people to put a cover on an RV of any decent size. So if you don't plan on doing this job by yourself and don't plan on doing it without a ladder. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. (laughs) All right. So that's winterizing. If you have any questions about winterizing, we're also going to have some links to some resources in the show notes. And you can send us an email at editor at RV Miles and we'll try to answer them on the show. Yeah. And, you know, when we put this podcast out to and we always share these across on social media i would actually love to hear from people on what they do to winterize so join us over at facebook or on twitter and let us know like this is what i do every year when we put our rv away and maybe you've got a few things that we don't know about or maybe there are a few things we shared that you didn't know about but i'm always just really curious about people's habits and how they care for their RV. There's a lot to be gleaned and learned from one another. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we are going to chat about Nashville, Tennessee. All right, let's talk about Nashville, Tennessee, Music City, USA. Favorite campground to date, USA. Yeah, let's just let's just jump right into that. Yeah, let's There's talk about of, that one. There are a lot of things that we'll talk about, about about Nashville, but the campground was one of our favorite parts. It was an Army Corps of Engineers campground called... Shocking. ...called Seven Points. Massive site Massive that we site. were at. Three tiers to this site. I think it was site 52 just in case anyone's curious and it was really close to the bathhouse but like these different tiers are it's a pull through and there's a level where you could have your sort of all your outdoor kitchen stuff and then another level where you could you know have the picnic table and eat and then another level that can be where the kids play it's the size of a backyard i mean it was huge and this particular site and from what we could tell to with some of the other sites. I won't say that this was the way it was with all of them, but the way they were laid out is that even on either side of you, you couldn't see your neighbor. Right. You were completely wooded in. Always it was all that. Yeah, it was almost like a horseshoe sort of setup where you were just covered by forestry. And then this particular site also was just a few sites down from the bathhouse, which I think is always a bonus. So the coolest thing, though, about this campground is that it is an Army Corps of Engineers campground within the Nashville city limits. So you can camp inside a big city for like $20 a night. Yeah, that's almost unheard of. And looking back on our time there now, I really wish we had been able to stay longer. We were only able to stay for a few days. And frankly, I don't think we realized just how much we were going to enjoy it there or just how much we were going to like that site. So it's on my list of we need to redo this trip. And it's it's not like the campground is like downtown Nashville. You oh, still, no. You you're still, still have to drive. You're still going to do some driving uh, to get to. So you're in, in. It's almost like a neighborhoody area. And then all of a sudden there's this big, huge campground in, yeah. the, middle of, in the middle of it. Um, 
But gosh, there's a lot to do in Nashville. So we're going to touch on some of the things that you can do, some of the things that we did quickly. But like like Abby just said, we want to go back because there is a lot more that we didn't get to hit on. So obviously, Nashville is the country music capital of the world, right? So you've got the Grand Old Opry, the Ryman Auditorium that you can go visit. There's a big mall there and lots of restaurants around the Opry too. So even if you're not seeing a show, there's kind of a lot of things to do in that sort of area. Yeah, and we spent a little bit of time inside the mall. We weren't able to see anything at the Grand Old Opry. I don't think there was actually a show happening the few days that we were in town, but we did get to hang out in that area. And it was kind of nice to go into this really large, beautiful mall space and just spend a few hours walking around. And if you do need to take advantage of free Wi-Fi, you have to work or something, this is a great place you can go do it and then pop over after you're done working and check out a show. Also, Nashville is going to be Music Row, which is sort of the famous home to all the record label offices, the radio stations, so cool. the recording studios. And you can just sort of take a drive through Music Row mm-hmm. and sort of check out all the different... It just It's just a good feeling to drive through there and know that like all this recording is So happening. much history. Major recording artists, a lot of indie, small recording, always happening. Were you surprised by what it looked like? I think in my mind I, I imagined was. something different, but it really just looked like I was driving down like a little main street almost like just tucked inside of a neighborhood. And a lot of like houses turned into recording studios and and things like that. Had in my mind that maybe it would be a little bit more opulent and it wasn't. It was very humble and like unassuming. And I just think that that is so cool. But you've got the iconic RCA Studio B where legends like Elvis and Dolly Parton recorded hits. It's open for tours so you can go do that very various country stars are honored with street names in the area too. Yeah. so it's kind of cool to check out all the different the different street names there are there's the country music hall of fame you can go visit as well as the johnny cash museum and and a few various other like songwriter museums if you're if you're a big music person there's a lot of museum real estate for you to visit. Yeah, I don't know if you know this or not, but Nashville's really into music. (laughs) (laughs) And it really is for someone who knows a lot about music and really feels very passionately about that art form. This is a wonderful city to spend some time in. But even if you don't, you can't help but get like a music vibe. I don't even know that sounds so cheesy, but the city is so enmeshed in that culture that like when you're driving around and we just kind of did drive around and that was fun, like to just see the city so alive and vibrant because of music. And you can go to, you know, the honky tonk bars and oh, for sure. and listen to people play all, you know, anytime you want to go, you want to go for for lunch on a Saturday, there's going to be live music in in Nashville at the Honky Tonks yeah, with some Nashville red hot chicken. We wanted to stop too and kind of walk around. Clearly we weren't going to be popping into too many places with our kids, but that particular day we had a lot of to do that. I think we could have, but we were kind of through there in, in the evening on yeah, Friday but, and Saturday where there's like bachelor parties and stuff. 
strolling around. Yes, but there was also a hockey game yeah. going on, and it happened to be the Chicago Blackhawks. It was the Blackhawks versus the the Nashville whatever the Nashville whatever the Nashville team hockey is. team is. And, Sorry, it, Nashville. It was, an, it was an elimination game. One, it was. one of the teams, and the Blackhawks were eliminated. But because they of were. that, there were. Lots of hockey crazy. fans down there. Yeah, it was really crazy busy. And we thought, oh, you know, we felt a little overwhelmed trying to navigate the kids around not only very enthusiastic hockey fans, but very enthusiastic hockey fans that had been hitting up the very enthusiastic bars around there. If you're not a big music fan or you want to do some other things, there, there's a lot of history in the Nashville area, too. Absolutely, You can go on a lot of plantation tours that are within a decent drive. Uh, there, there are a lot of there are a lot of guides. If you if you go to any of the the rest areas nearby or the visitors centers anywhere that's got a rack cart of flyers, there are there are guides to driving tours around the Nashville area where you can see a lot of these historic homes and and things like that. And one of the biggest things you can see is in Nashville, not very far from the Seven Points Campground, is the Andrew Jackson Hermitage which was Andrew Jackson's home. And it's one of the largest presidential homes in the country that you can visit. And it's it's a very popular attraction. It is not a National Park Service site. So you will not be able to get into it with your your National Park Service, any of your, your America's Passes, beautiful yeah. pass or whatever you might have. Uh, and it does cost a decent bit, but, but it, I think it is very much worthwhile from we didn't do it but from the photos and from the reviews online it seems like you know a very popular thing to yeah, do yeah if you're a historian buff it's not something you should pass up for families we really loved the adventure science center in nashville really excellent excellent science center that was a full day science center too which we have on our travels encountered ones that end up being like half day adventures but that really packed so much into that museum that we were able to spend a full day there. And it worked out nice, too, because you and I were able to trade off with work. They had a cafeteria upstairs that had Wi-Fi with a very lovely view of the Nashville downtown area. And we took turns sitting up there and working while another would go around with the kids in the museum. Some of the coolest things in there, one of them that I really thought was neat that the kids liked is they had a leverage exhibit where you could lift a Corvette convertible with a lever, you know, and our, our little ones could do it on their own. I thought that was really neat. You know, it's, it's, it's a run of the mill sort of science center. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a great way. Yeah. They touch on all the major points you'd expect a science center to hit. But one of the coolest things about this science center is the center of it all the way up to the top floor, it's sort of this pyramid shaped, this glass structure at the top is just a big play area. Yeah. So the kids really got to spend a long time on this big multi-leveled play structure that goes up and up and up and up. And they get to feel like they're in this this clubhouse overlooking downtown Nashville. And they really loved that and spent hours doing it. Runned off, burned off, I should say. So much energy. Wasn't this also the museum where they got to do spacewalk, moonwalk? Yeah. So they have a in if you if you want to do this, you gotta go on a day where they're not busy. Um, you know, like we did in the middle of the week. 
they have an exhibit where they rig you up in a harness and you it has motors above it that lift you up and down and it it treats you like you're in moon gravity so you can jump and you jump really high and you come down you know you can take big steps and the our kids are are our two, cautious children our two older <laughs> boys were very very nervous about it but they did, but they it, did it and then they ended up <laughs> loving it and they learned a lot from it's, it too the space area uh, yeah the space museum, area in general it was just really at this well done in general was great but that was that was a really and cool it's, Another museum that we got into for free on our reciprocal membership from Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago, uh, an American Association of Science and Technology Centers member. We talked about those memberships on last week's episode, episode 19. The Holiday Gift Guide episode. So it wouldn't be an RV Miles podcast if we didn't talk about food. But we're not talking about pizza. And I almost feel like that's the biggest reason why we have to go back to Nashville. We, try we Nashville didn't find pizza. pizza. But <laughs> Nashville is, of course, known for their their Nashville hot chicken. And you can go to lots of different places to get it. You can go to the, you know, the busy places downtown where you're going to wait quite a while. Or you can go check out some of the neighborhood dives, which is probably... Probably the, the better, yeah. Like, but it is so good. Completely recommend it. But amazingly enough, that is not what we're about to talk about. No, we're going to recommend a barbecue place that we really liked. And Nashville is, of course, a barbecue destination as well. But we really liked a restaurant called Barbecuity Smokehouse. And we just stumbled upon this place. We were driving around an area of Nashville looking for a Walmart. We needed to pick up a few things. We were all hungry. And we saw this place and we thought, oh, that is a super cute name. But what are the odds that we're going to be able to go there and feed our picky eaters? Because a very serious barbecue issue we have, because Jason and I love barbecue, is that our kids do not care for barbecue. And often barbecue places don't offer a kid's menu beyond typical barbecue fare. Yeah, if they have one at all. So, But this place had the typical chicken nuggets and hot dogs and things like that. They just knew the Epperson boys were coming. But it was also just really good barbecue food. Oh, it was so for good. For a very decent price. And if I'm remembering correctly, the table also had like different jars and different levels of barbecue sauce yeah. that you could try. And boy, they weren't kidding when they said hot. Whoa. That was really <laughs> hot. Like I put a little bit of it on a fry and I was like... I will not be trying that again. And I like spicy. And the kids' menus came on Frisbees, too, which was really cool. They did. And the kids thought that was so cool. And we still have those Frisbees. Like, they're legit working yeah. Frisbees. Yeah. So definitely, if you're in the area, check out Barbecue Restaurant. Check out Nashville in general. If, you, yeah. if you're you driving through, through that way, the Army Corps of Engineers campground is a real cheap place to stay with really excellent co- accommodations. You're not going to get sewer the service there no but you'll have water and electric and you know it's a city you can do another city like st louis that you can do very affordably absolutely and i feel like it's worth mentioning i think we mentioned this last week as the end of the podcast recording gets near we're usually joined by a four-year-old who just really needs to be near his mom and dad and so if you (laughs) If you hear the sounds of a little mini Power Ranger or 
other sounds, other child sounds. There's a third podcaster in the room. Isn't that right, Henry? Oh, now he's quiet. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up this episode with let's a brain teaser. Abby's been a, on a roll with these, so we're going like, to let Abby do it again this week. I'm on fire. All right, so four men went camping. They decided they wanted to go for a hike, so they brought one umbrella with them. But when they came back to camp, not one of their clothes were wet. How is this possible? All right. If you have the answer to that brain teaser, please send us a Facebook message or an email at editor at rvmiles.com. And you can also tweet us. You can tweet us. You, but try not to spoil it by posting it as a comment on on the any of the, the posts of, of the episode, though. Try, try to send it to us privately. <laughs> Jason. Well, I mean, people want to be surprised. You know? This is true. This yeah. is true. All right. You take this brain teaser thing very, very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it for this week's episode. If you wouldn't mind, please take the time to give us a rating on iTunes. Hopefully five stars, if you would. Please. And share around, share us around with your friends and family who might be interested in RVing. If you don't subscribe to us on iTunes, if you listen to us somewhere else, if you wouldn't mind subscribing to us on iTunes as well, you don't have to listen to us there. Just hit the subscribe <laughs> button. It doesn't make a difference to you, but it makes a difference to us. It sure does. And again, thank you guys for joining us this week. Thanks for listening. We shall see you back next week when the podcast becomes of legal drinking age, episode 21. And until next week, keep logging those RV miles. See ya. Bye.